and this is the 14th chapter, and I'll begin with verse 17. It's nice to be reminded that we can actually have church without the screens. What can, happened to the screen? We can do it. I have no idea. But it's good to be reminded that we can, we can do this. And um, you can uh, check my pronunciation of the words. Genesis chapter 14, beginning with the 17th verse. I'll read verses 17 to the end of the chapter. After his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the kings of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre take their share. text to the, to the session and after the session said yeah that's great 
And uh, anyway, long story short, he's, you're able to leave tomorrow? Did I hear that? Well, can't get a lease to start before next week, so I'm, but I signed a lease. We're not signed a lease, but I. But you're on your way. I'm on the way. Praise God. That is just amazing. That's just one of those amazing things that happen every once in a while in the ministry that you just marvel at God's grace. What had, that's not the circumstances that I decided to, to preach on Melchizedek, um, who is one of the most, mis and actually it's more about Abram, before he is renamed Abraham, um, it's as much about him as it is Melchizedek. And the, and the principle, as I thought about this, uh, the principle of hospitality and the support of missions are all intertwined in this account in uh, Genesis of uh, this incredible after uh, action report that we have basically in the, this, um, this passage. What had happened was there was uh, an alliance of northern kingdoms, really the remnant of the old Hittite kingdom that had come down and had invaded the Jordan Valley. And that's all the area around the Dead Sea up to Jerusalem. And they had come down and invaded and, it, and they had gone all the way over to Sodom and they had uh, captured Lot. And uh, if you remember, they had the division, we're gonna go this way, you're gonna go that way. And they had divided the land. Well, Lot was held captive. And so Abram um, assembled a force of 318 men and uh, in an alliance with four other kings in the Jordan Valley went out and uh, fought when I was in seminary I called this the Battle of the Cheese King you know, because I'm dumb and I have to have things to remember Cheddar Lamar that kind of sounds like Cheddar Cheese um, but uh, but that was one of the main kings there. And they, and they won a great victory. This small force, it's, uh, it's just, it is, it is a, an incredible uh, scene. The small force, as we see often in uh, the armies of Israel, and this is pre-Israel though, this is pre-circumcision, uh, uh, just pre-circumcision with, uh, with Abraham. And um, um, so, so we have, have this incredible victory over against an overwhelming force. And we have this after action where they sit down and they talk about what's happened and they do what victorious kings in alliance did in those days. They divided up the, the uh, spoils of war. So. How does this relate to hospitality? How does it relate to missions? I think it relates uh, to both. The, the mysterious figure of Melchizedek and his relationship with Abram. Again, uh, pre-Abrahamic covenant. Abram's name has not been changed to Abraham yet. And yet they're both noted as worshipers of the one true God. This is a, a great encouragement to those who, uh, who uh, you know, get all bogged down in the weeds of history. 
but to realize that God was or, had already called a people uh, for himself. And he was enacting his plan to preserve uh, or to, to create a nation from the seed of Abraham. So Abraham, we follow, we understand, but who is this Melchizedek? Um, his name means king, king of righteousness. That's what Melchizedek translates. He's a king of, of righteousness. He's also called the prince of Salem and the prince of peace. Now, we meet him again in Psalm 110, verse 4, and this mysterious psalm reference that uh, not too long ago, Jay and I expounded the book of Hebrews, and we went to, one of us did, I'm sure, to Psalm 110, verse 4, to show this incredible uh, fulfillment of prophecy um, that, the, that the, the writer of Hebrews talks about. Uh, this messianic psalm in 110 that the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Uh, speaking of, of the Messiah, you are a priest forever of the order of Melchizedek. And the writer of Hebrews, all through chapter 5 uh, and chapter 6 and chapter 7, expounds that one verse of uh, Psalm 110, verse 4, over and over again to show that uh, the Lord Jesus fulfills the order of Melchizedek. Now, some scholars say that Melchizedek is actually Jesus. I, I, I would not go that far, but I, I can see how they would say that based on all the things that surround him. Uh, I... Um, I'll just say this, I, I don't think I can say that definitively, but it's, it is possible. But we do know that the Lord Jesus is not a priest after the order of the Levite priest that came from Abraham, right? He is of a special order, this order that descends from Melchizedek. Melchizedek just shows up after the war. And he brings refreshment to Abram's 318. He brings them bread and wine. That's like, that's like uh, Gatorade and Power Bars, right? <laughs> of, the, of the ancient world. They're, they're beat up. They're exhausted. They're tired. And he brings them the provision for uh, their life that they need. And it is an incredible uh, picture of what Jesus will one day fulfill. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is in, intent on communicating. And that's and among, among uh, other things we do tonight, open the Bible and by God's grace seek to apply it to our lives. We also come for spiritual refreshment in the Lord's table. This is spiritual food to strengthen us for service after the Lord's Day is, should be our high day of, of worship, but it should also be not a burden, not a drudge. It should be a time of refreshment where we come to get real 
spiritual food and real spiritual drink to sustain us as God equips us and then he pushes us out into the spiritual battle that we engage in uh, every day or after that, after that spiritual uh, battle that we engage in. So Melchizedek, and I, I'll use the minimalist interpretation here, is a type of Christ. He is a picture of, of, of what Christ does for his people. And how does he bless us? Melchizedek blesses his people by giving us spiritual refreshment. After the weariness of life, after the, the difficulties of, of, of wrestling through life and all the, all the um, things that we have to deal with on a daily basis, we come together to receive from his hand spiritual refreshment. And again, that reminds me of our responsibility to minister to those who minister. Our Lord Jesus ministered. He, he says in the book of Ephesians that he, he, uh, he, when he ascended on high after his great victory on the cross and his great victory in his resurrection, he ascended on high. And as he ascended on high, he gave gifts to his people. To the church. He gave them gifts in order to equip them that they might be able to engage in uh, spiritual warfare, to do works of service, it says. Equip them to do works of service. So I think that was my. Are you, I, miss, I miss the screen because I could look over there. When I can read my writing and see the point. But I think that was my first point. I know it was. The second one is, the first point is Melchizedek's blessing to Abraham and his men. The second is, and, and, and that's a representative of Jesus, how he blesses us. And how he does that, he does it in order that we might be a blessing to others. Abraham, so the second thing I'd point out from this text in Genesis is Abraham's blessing of Melchizedek. Ab Abraham supports Melchizedek. Do you see it? He gives him a tithe of all he has. Now, People often ask me, do I, do I think tithing, they don't often ask me, but sometimes they ask me, every once in a while I get a question, is tithing biblical? I say it most certainly is. Um, is it a requirement? I, and I say, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, I, you know I, think it's, I think it's kind of a minimal standard of giving for the believer. And, they, and they're, they're thought is, well, tithing was a part of the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's not mentioned anywhere. Well, I would point out that this passage is given before the law is given. This is before the Levitical, uh, the detailed Levitical laws about giving a, a tenth of everything. This is, this is pre-Moses. 
even though Moses is the instrument of God that writes this, the history of this is much before Moses. So the, the, the spiritual principle of the tithe is, is rooted in the worship of the most high God when, from these two figures, these two gigantic biblical figures, Melchizedek, uh, the, the prince of, um, of Salem, the, the, the king of righteousness, he receives tithes from Abraham of everything that he has. It is an amazing uh, text from that standpoint alone. And Melchizedek receives it. Um, the spiritual principle of, of ministering, first of all, to the Lord, but also to the Lord's servant is certainly in view here and in accordance with the text. Uh, you know, Gaius is known for his hospitality, not merely because he, he, um, he, he, he kept um, the um, traveling ministers, but he, he supported them on their way. I, I um, Gaius, uh, I encourage you to get out your Bible encyclopedia, look up Gaius, look up all the references to him. He's, he's not as obscure as I thought he was when we came to 3 John. Uh, there are quite a few uh, references um, to a Gaius. Someone said that, that Gaius was a very common name, but I can't think that, uh, can't help but think that, that, um, they're related. In verse 23, for example, of Romans 16, he makes it into the, uh, the thank yous and the inspiration of the Word of God. Uh, Gaius, who is host to me, this is the Apostle Paul, um, and to the whole church, he greets you. And so does Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus. We greet you. So I, I have a strong belief that that is the same guys. One of the, one of the things that, that uh, struck me again about this, how, how we steward what we give is a really important part of um, ministry. One of the reasons I left the family of churches I, I was a part of as a young man, I was working in them. I was a youth director way back in the day in a very large church of the denomination I grew up in. And then when, one day it dawned on me, I can't in good conscience tie to my own church that's paying my salary. There's something wrong with this. I mean, we see this here. We see it in uh, Abraham's rejection of the world, which is my last point. But we need to be in a ministry. You need to be in a place where you know in good conscience what God has given you to steward for the advancement of his kingdom is done so in a way that is in accordance with his word. And, I, and it was uh, that was a short step for me to figure out that I couldn't support the... the uh, the uh, 
denomination I was working for, that I needed to find a place where I could fully in good conscience because stewardship, Christian stewardship, is at the heart of, uh, is one of the things that is at the heart of what God has called us to do together as the people of God. Melchizedek makes it clear that uh, and and how he how he blesses Abraham and how um, Abraham blesses him that that is the part the part of the worship of the one true God and then finally the last point I want to make tonight is from verses twenty one through twenty four is how Abraham rejects the world this is an alliance <clears throat> as often there are alliances in war that. You know, people we wouldn't normally uh, get along with, we we uh, we ally with them. I think of World War II, we allied with the Soviet Union to beat Nazi Germany. It was uh, it was uh, a necessity, and you we can make all kinds of arguments of whether that was a good thing and whether the long-term results of that have been a good thing. But that's 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 what we did, <clears throat> and that's you have something similar here. Abraham is aligned with three other. Are uh, four other kings, one of which is the king of Sodom. And it's obvious from his reaction to what the king of Sodom is proposing at the end of this that Sodom was, uh, was already well on the way to its uh, destruction. I, uh, does, does anybody follow, uh, this get absorbed by biblical archaeology besides me? I mean, I get really excited about it. Uh, a few of you. Uh, I, I mean, we had the privilege not long ago to traverse around the uh, Dead Sea, and it just it just was amazing. And go to the site, the traditional site of Sodom and Gomorrah. But since I've been back, I just I've been reading, and now it's, now they're telling me that they think that the uh, the real site of Sodom is um, some 20, 30 miles north of, of the place that's on all the Bible maps. And I, I, was kind of, I was kind of deflated by that at first. But the archaeology is such is that, that uh, I'm thinking that maybe they may be right, and especially in reading this, the Valley of the Kings. The Valley of the Kings is much closer to Jerusalem than it is um, further south than the Dead Sea, where the traditional site of Sodom is supposed to be and they found there's been a 15 year excavation or 16 year excavation that they found uh, a lot of evidence of uh, a huge cataclysmic destruction and there aren't the, and including um, uh, many graves and one of the things about the traditional site is in recent years they found 50 over 50,000 shaft graves of, of what seemed to be hasty burials, which made people think that that was the place. But, but anyway, it's in there. It's in that area somewhere because these people are there, and the king, the king of Sodom, is they they have a meeting with Melchizedek with Abraham and all the kings in the battle. And if you've ever been in the military, you know what you do after the battle. You have what's called an after-action review. And you go over what you did right and what you did wrong. And you do your lessons learned. And in their case, they divided up the spoils of war. 
This is really instructive, and I thought about this point as well. When, it, when there's that clear rejection, several people asked me about it, and see, some people involved in missionary support asked me about it this morning. Uh, do, you know, I had one, someone tell me that they, they had someone who was not a believer give them support. Should they, should they take that support? I, I look at this, and I'm thinking, no. Abraham uh, and the king of Sodom said to, said to Abraham give me the persons but take give me my people but you take uh, you take the goods for yourself I, I just want my I just want my nephew Lot I just wanted my people that I guys I went to this incredible effort to rescue that God gave us this great victory over these overwhelming odds. At 318 men, we went out and won this great victory. But, but the king of Sodom um, said, you take the goods. You take all, these, all this bounty. But Abraham... Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high possessor of heaven and earth that I should not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham Abram was concerned not for his own personal advancement. He was concerned solely and completely for the glory of God, the glory of God most We live in such a fallen world where there is so much corruption at every level, in the church, outside the church, in the world, in our political arena, we see daily testimonies and evidence of it and it is it is um, it is an incredible thing to comprehend there are certain principles that should guide us and uh, mark uh, who we are as the people of god and this is one of them our trust should be in the living god we, we are to steward what god has given us in a way that pleases him and we are to keep ourselves from the world and keep ourselves from what the world uh, would lead us to, which is destruction. In the hand of God is life. In the hand of Jesus is victory for all who put their faith and confidence in him. And this should be our first and foremost guiding principle is to worship him in a manner pleasing in his sight. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the historic account of Melchizedek and Abram and how you blessed him. We thank you for Abram's faithfulness to give to your servant the King of Righteousness, Melchizedek, who is indeed a type of Jesus Christ, a tenth of all he had in order to show uh, his worship of the one true God. Um, 
for this uh, priest of the Most High God that you had appointed at that time. Father, we pray that our hearts would be strengthened. So, so often we are tempted to compromise with the world and to want what the world wants. Help us to solely desire and completely focus our hearts on what you desire for us, for us in Christ. And we, we thank you for your abundant, amazing provision for, for all things. And we pray that we would be strengthened uh, from having been here in fellowship with you and the people of God. And we pray your blessing upon our time as we come to the Lord's table as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing our hymn of preparation for communion number 338 in the, um, I think that's the um, red Trinity hymnal, or the Trinity Psalter is 252 rather in the Trinity hymnal, 338 in the maroon, 252 in the red. Let's stand.
was invited to an un unexpected banquet. He was given bread and wine, which 